0: Welcome to From the Booth, a podcast where we talk about the films playing at International Cinema at Brigham Young University. This is our first episode of the fall 2023, winter 2024 season, and we have exciting things in store for you. I'm Marc Olivier, co-director of International Cinema, and I'm joined by the rest of the directing team, co-director Marie-Laure Oscarson, and our new co-director, Brad Barber, who's joining us for the 2023-2024 season from BYU's Theatre and Media Arts Department. Welcome, Marilor.
1: So happy to be with you.
0: <laughs> Welcome, Brad. Same, yeah. So, Brad, before we talk about the semester lineup... Let's get to know you a little bit. Could you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, your background? Sure, sure.
2: I've taught here at BYU since 2007. I've been here for 16 years. Long time international cinema fan, obviously. I went here as an undergrad, too, back in the 90s. and have very fond memories of everything that I learned there. I'm a documentary filmmaker, also. I make films together with my students oftentimes. And that's one of the things I guess I've kind of tried to concentrate on with the the many conversations we've already had this summer about what we're going to program is I'm always thinking about documentaries and yeah, yeah. and I just dropped off my oldest son and college in Southern California. So it's that's I'm emotionally wrung out right now.
0: Yeah, (laughs) that's a lot. That's, That's
2: everything I can think of to share.
0: Yeah, well, tell us about, we are going to be seeing, at least one of your documentary shorts, right? This semester, could you maybe like talk about that project first just a, a quick minute? <laughs> sure, sure. It's called States of America. It's a
2: sh- it's a series of short documentaries I've been doing since 2009 it plays on pbs.org and the PBS app. I work on it with my students. I have a class where students edit it. It's really fun. It started with a premise of just filming one person in all 50 states. And just a short five-minute glimpse at their life to talk about how living there affects who they are. And the one that we've decided to screen this semester is from Maryland. It's the Maryland episode. And we're going to show that ahead of a really special documentary called Quest that I think we'll talk about later. And yeah, I think that's all we have so far.
0: Cool. That's my birth state. Maryland um, is your
2: birth state?
0: Yeah, born in Johns Hopkins. Yeah, okay. We are going to get into the lineup and the themes. But first, I want to go over a few changes that are exciting. And maybe, Marie-Laure, first you could talk about our website and social media.
1: So thanks to Lyman Baliff. Art director and graphic designer at New Apology Project and Todd McAllister, both BYU alumni. We have a new website, we have a new look, we have a new logo, and it's looking so good. We're mm-hmm. very excited to share that with you. We are so grateful for New Apology Project and their vision for international cinema and the work that they provided pro bono. Like that was an amazing amount of of work and just creativity that they've shared with us. There is an identity to IC Now that we will share with you on social media and something that will last. It's quality. It's designed around the beauty of the films and images that we share at International Cinema. And it's a little bit like a museum of some sort because we have the beauty of the images that the films of the films that we share. So yes, classy, beautiful, and hopefully will last for, for a very long time.
0: Yeah. It's great. That's it's I'm excited. You'll be seeing things rolling out. Uh, We also have something changing about our showings that I'm going to ask Brad to talk about.
2: Yeah, we are going to be showing three films a week this academic year. That means four to five screenings for each film. It used to be that we, well, going back even further, there was three films and then it was changed to four films a week to include more documentaries. And then I believe people before I got here, it wasn't me, the people before I got here recognized, wait a minute, documentaries are really important, great films. We always want to include. So we're going to continue to include documentaries, but now they're going to be three a week. And the great thing is it means we get more screenings at each film per week. So four to five screenings for each film. And we felt like it would be better to have more showtimes with fewer films. So we're looking forward to continuing to show documentaries and having a lot of screen.
0: Yeah, I remember talking with my students last year, and sometimes they would want to see a movie really bad, and they couldn't because it didn't fit with their schedule. And their input also was like, yeah, we would rather have more showtimes of films because nobody will... Maybe there's some rare listener out there, watcher out there that sees four movies a week. But in general, you know, three will still give you plenty of things to watch. One more thing that I think is pretty exciting is we are going to be showing 50 percent films, at least, from women directors. And so we're really, you know, going for something that represents the population and have the perspective of women Writers or directors, cinematographers, in some case but we're we're specifically focusing on having equal representation of women directors, and that's going to be a lot of fun and going forward will be the new norm now let's get to the the themes this semester, and maybe like the theme that 's perfect, Marie Laure can talk about to sort of launch this. You know, equity with male and female directors is one that's about women. Maybe you want to talk about that?
1: So, yes, this series is called Women with the Movie Camera. We have 12 titles. So that series will run all semester, meaning on both sides of your poster. Three documentaries, nine feature films, 14 different languages. And the year span is from 2011 to 2022, so more recent movies. The importance of having women film directors is that it empowers women and it gives a voice to women. So I would like to present a few of these films to you today, like half half the semester, really, and explore with you how these titles are giving a voice to to women. The film Cinema Sabaya that will start the series is about women from Israel and Palestine who are participating in the workshop and given a camera to narrate their lives. They share their footage with the group who has a chance to learn about each other in a unique way. So it's a bit of a microcosm of the Israeli-Palestinian relationship. And these aspiring filmmakers have to come to terms with conflicts and and many, many things, aspects of of their lives. Saint-Omer is a, a French film that asks more questions than it offers answers. French filmmaker Alice Diop explained that her film, and I quote, frames and put light on the women that nobody listened to, that nobody saw and that nobody was aware of. So it is a very important film in that way. You have very long takes so that the audience can finally have the chance to observe the women of, of this film and listen to these women. So in, instead of having like, the, this story is based on a on a true story, and in, instead of having like a, a fact in the newspaper, she is really exploring the complexity of the character. And it's not a cliche anymore, but it becomes like a voice and a, and a person. Hidden Letters explores the Chinese art of secret sororal writing. An Italy woman explains in the film that not so far away from now, women were slaves to men. And so Nushu, this uh, secret language, is a written form invented by women in southern China and used for communication when women were forbidden to, to read or write, a very important documentary. You will hear about their songs and their poetry and and the letters that they wrote to each other. Notice how have things changed for women in in China, and what what are the aspects of of modern women's lives that are the same maybe as the past and 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 changed then next is what will people say. This is a a Norwegian film, and Iham Ak tells her personal story about honor, family. Struggles between living a typical teenager's life in Norway and a family's Pakistani traditions. Hack explains, I very often find inspiration for myself and I like to talk about feelings of shame and about what it does to us. Loneliness, identity, belonging, love, and not feeling loved and feeling rejected. All these emotions are so important to me. And as well, she says that the story that she tells in her film happens in so many places in the world. Uh, We cannot lose more girls. There are girls that are killed because they are becoming too Europeanized or Americanized, and they don't fit the traditional ways anymore. And so she invites families to watch this film together with their daughters, their sons, to better understand what they are both going through. Another film that is in this category is based on a short story, Foster, by Claire Keegan. It's The Quiet Girl. And it's the first Irish film to be nominated for an Academy Award. What does it feel like to be a child at the mercy of adults? This film tells of neglect and on the other side of love, kindness, and care. The perspective is from a child. And with her, we are witness of the helplessness of childhood and how much adults make all the difference. My Happy Family, this film is made by a couple and forgive my pronunciation, and it comes from Georgia. So we have Ekiti Mishbili and Gross, and they're much celebrated filmmakers of In Bloom, a film that was at IC a few years ago and that we might be bringing back soon. So In Bloom is the story of two teenagers, two, two girls who live and whose lives are constricted by men. It's, the setting is the former Soviet Republic of Georgia, and My Happy Family is on some sort of follow-up. We meet Manana, a middle-aged wife, mother and daughter, and we see her perspective in her society who is that is dominated by men. Notice how the widescreen frame creates a narrow space for the characters. And how does the camera work to build sympathy for Manana in every, almost every scene when She's managing men's authority threats and, and traps as well. So these are, this is like a, a little bit of a, an aperçu for um, our semester series on women with a movie camera. And I invite you during the semester to follow us on our Instagram and Facebook accounts because we will have trivia. And if you know what film we're talking about, then, you know, there will be a way for us to for you to let us know. And we have stickers that we can give to the the first one who answers trivia about these films. So follow us and keep watching films with us.
0: Yeah, great. Brad, you want to talk about one of the semester themes that you really like? Sure, and I want to preface it by saying I'm nowhere
2: near as prepared as that eloquent, wonderful thing from <laughs> I love, I feel embarrassed. I'm the new guy showing my new his here.
1: Yeah, but you have a colleague who is from France and sometimes words are like like uh, aperçu, like yeah. it's French, and I'm sorry if you don't speak French, but it's like, it's, <laughs> it's oh
0: It's overview or summary, <laughs> by so the way. More. But I, I love the, you know, you get to learn a new word. So the word of the day is aperçu.
1: aperçu. <laughs>
2: Yeah, okay. yeah, international, yeah. truly. Well, the one I'm most excited about, for sure, is our Black Lives category. This is something that, I mean, I suggested it's something that I feel like we could just, we could spend a whole academic year with just films about Black Lives. I feel like there's still so much we're excited to learn from so many beautiful stories of both tragedy and triumph, documentary and fiction, of course, international and I, we were thinking particularly about BYU's wonderful invitation to us to think about more listening in regards to race and experience. We've got this wonderful mission statement from BYU about race, equity, and belonging. We'd invite everyone to look at race.byu.edu for some terrific reminders and aspirational goals there for us as members of this campus community. I'll just read a little bit of this. It says The BYU Committee on Race, Equity, and Belonging is united and deeply committed to realizing the recent call to action and reflecting the United Declaration of Leaders of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints and the NAACP that educational institutions, quote, review processes, policies, and organizational attitudes regarding racism and root them out. And as a documentary filmmaker, I mean, it's probably not unique to documentary, but we believe, I think I can say for the three of us and any film lover, that cinema is this experience that emboldens empathy, that that fosters empathy. The late, great film critic Roger Ebert said that cinema is like a machine that generates empathy. You can't help it. But by, by watching somebody's story, whether it's a fictional version of a story or whether it's a documentary, you start to empathize with it. You start to see through a different lens a bit. And what a great opportunity we have to participate in this mission mission that we've been invited to by BYU. One of the things they've asked us to do is to quote, listen to our beloved black BYU community to understand how racism is frustrated and continues to frustrate their experience at BYU. There's many more, I won't read the entire website, but this is just one small thing that I think will help us to fulfill that. And that's just by listening. Listening to these stories and seeing what we can glean from them and there's there's plenty that I think will feel foreign to our campus community. The International Seminar, after all, points its lens, its projector lens, maybe, at stories from all over the world. But I think it's fair to say the stories of, of our BIPOC brothers and sisters are going to be particularly engaging and eye-opening um, that we've curated here, starting with Four Little Girls, the just masterful documentary from 1997. About the bombing, that a lot of people will know as it's referenced near the beginning of the very terrific movie Selma a few years ago, which we just showed last year at International Cinema. So, a great follow up to that for sure to learn more about the real life circumstances, circumstances behind that unbelievable act of of racism and hate, really, really terrifically orchestrated. And you hear from people that I, I watched this when I was an undergraduate student here at BYU. And I was surprised upon rewatching it this semester how many incredible figures are in this film um, that you're going to be amazed to just sit and listen to. Another one that really stood out to me from this category is Quest. This was my favorite film of 2017. Uh, it was a year I was privileged to uh, go to a lot of film festivals and meet filmmakers and with my own uh, work. And you see a lot of the you know best new films as I, I know you two have experienced as well as we're curating these. We go to Festivals. We're trying to see what's new, and that film just really struck like a bolt of lightning. I mean, it was so eye-opening. It was so beautifully rendered, so clearly made from a place of curiosity and love and empathy from the director. It's a terrific, terrific documentary, filmed over the over the course of about ten years, with a family in North Philadelphia who is trying to foster a community of hip hop artists and a studio. They kind of run out of their own home. Unbelievable things happen with their family that start to feel a bit endemic uh, or indicative of larger, let's say, institutional problems and racism in our country. And it's just, you get to know this family, you love this family, and you, you're rooting for them. And it's, it's an incredible story. Only When I Dance from Brazil is a really, I think, joyful story as well. They show some difficult circumstances, but you see these young people that are fostered by great mentors rising above difficult circumstances. And then Black Orpheus is another one and these two films, I think, show just a little bit of the spectrum of of, of culture and um, beauty that exists in this wonderful country. There's plenty more we could say about this category, but I'm really
0: excited to continue to watch and learn from Black lives all over the all over the world. Yeah, I'm excited about it. In fact, one of the movies from that, um, Mami Wata, I, is fresh out of Sundance from last year, and is was filmed in the most sumptuous gorgeous black and white I think I have seen in recent memory, and there's just there are a lot of good treasures to be found. I'd like to talk about the theme that we're doing that kind of spans that kind of spans the year this this season. We're doing mother Daughter as a theme, and in winter we'll be doing father son, so movies that that deal with mother daughter relationships. There are a lot of really good ones. We have something that is also fresh off the Sundance circuit, L'Imenzita, which is an Italian film. It's just beautiful. It's sort of nostalgic. It has this really great pop music, and it's got Penelope Cruz speaking Italian. It's amazing. There is Olga, which I think feels so timely and at the same time introduces us to history that we might not all know, like... Olga is a 15-year-old Ukrainian gymnast and she's pursuing her career in gymnastics while meanwhile her mother who's a revolutionary is you know fighting political battles at home and that is just you you really witness the tension of should I be there you know, should I be back in my home country while these important events are unfolding? Or or is it too selfish to be pursuing a gymnastics career? And it's just a really fascinating story that I think will also introduce us to events that happened in Ukraine that far precede the, the current war with Russia. There is, I, I want to mention the Autumn Sonata that we're doing that is an Ingmar Bergman film the first film in color that he ever did and he and because of that you can see him making really great use of color the And the composition is gorgeous and the story is difficult and maybe relatable. Not all the mother-daughter stories in this collection are (laughs) are necessarily without strife or contention. Sometimes we have to deal, you know, with situations that people with less than perfect relationships with their mother's wife might relate to. So there are just really great ones. Volver, another penalty. penalty She makes it twice in in this. Volver is probably the best introduction to Almodovar that you could have to his films. And it's, it's really wonderful. Just to mention really fast, the, the other themes that maybe we won't really talk about right now, but that are there is we also have, we have a miscellaneous category. We're also doing food, which is a lot of fun. I don't know. Anybody want to say anything about that? The food category?
2: Prepare to go out to eat after you watch some of the these films? The perfect, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, the food things, date night or dinner with friends, mm-hmm. it's so perfect for these. You know, I'm thinking about how popular it is now to, you know, look at the process behind food. And there's just a lot of great ones to see. So there are so many great movies. We hope that you'll join us at International Cinema this semester. I'm going to end out with some Questions for the co-directors, okay? Sort of a rapid-fire question. Name a movie you've seen recently in theaters. Marilor?
1: Barbie. (laughs) Of
0: course. You and who knows how many other people. And in fact, that's kind of mine as well.
1: Yeah. And uh, plug in for international cinema because at the end of the semester, the last week of the semester, we will have Little Women uh, by Greta Gerwig. So uh, come see what she or we see re-watch we what she's done before Barbie.
0: Yeah, I think Little Women might be a movie that really put Greta Gerwig on the map for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And it's such a fun movie. It's right at the last week of the semester, so a holiday season. Brad, what about you?
2: Little Women was the last film my family watched before lockdown.
0: I'm just remembering that was the, really that
2: became kind of an important milestone. For Your us.
0: lockdown movie. That was that was the one we remembered. <laughs>
2: oh, yeah. Back when we used to go to the theater. The most recent film that my wife, Susan Kruger, Barber and I saw recently that really is international and stuck with me. I wanted to share is not so much on the maybe national conversation as much, but it's this really interesting Korean film called Past Lives. Mm. And it, it I, I was not, I don't think I had seen anything else the filmmakers done, but it was really, really fantastic. Very complex sort of, well, I don't want to sh- i don't say too much about the plot, but beautifully shot, beautiful music,
0: wonderful acting, and a story that, that challenges you a little bit. It was really good. That's great. Yeah. I got to add for the, mine would have to be Barbie as well that we saw recently and my daughter. I just have to mention that well cuz she doesn't listen so she won't be she can't get mad at me for saying this but after the theater, you know, there's the since so many people have seen this, I can just mention that there's a song that the, all the Kens are singing to the Barbies. And my daughter didn't realize that that was a real song. like that that was that actually was a, a pop song. You know, she thought it was written specifically for the movie because it just kind of seems so awful. Absolutely. Anyway, that's OK. So moving on movie this semester that you fear people won't come to, but really should. Who wants to go?
1: I'm I'm going to say Godland. This is a Danish film. I mean, Danish and Icelandic film. It's absolutely beautiful. The topic is a very bleak. I'll say. I don't know if it's going to help people come and see it, but there's so much meaning to this film and uh, a lot to interpret and learn as well about history. And the photography is absolutely um, breathtaking. So,
0: Brad, what about you? Well, it's
2: hard to tell by reading our lovingly crafted descriptions, you know, if people will be <laughs> not likely to see it or not. I'm not sure, but uh, I, I still am going to say this film. That's The Quiet Girl. It was our favorite film we saw last year. Just, Just so, so good. So uplifting and so poetic and so sort of like family affirming. It, it's going to make you want to be a better parent. It's going to, well, there might not be a ton of our students out there that have parents or that have kids this age and are thinking about parenthood in this way, but in a lot of different respects of family life, it's just looking at and celebrating what's so beautiful and the potential for, I think maybe family members to help each other realize their divine potential. Maybe I can put it that way. Yeah, I found it incredibly moving, even more moving, maybe the second time I watched it.
0: Nice. I think I would have to say for a movie that I'm afraid maybe people won't come to, but should, would be the our 100th anniversary film, which is a tradition of ours to do something that's celebrating its 100th anniversary, and that is The Ten Commandments. Cecil B. DeMille's, not the one you're thinking of, because that wouldn't be 100 years, but the 1923 silent Ten Commandments. I'm always worried that people will be put off by the fact that it's something's a silent film and that they won't want to see it. But I got to tell you that this is spectacular the sets are so amazing and the you know the story so like ask yourself how is this interpreted well what's interesting about this particular ten commandments is it's divided into two halves and the first half is the sort of story you know from exodus and the second half takes place in modern day san francisco with Seeing how people use or disobey the Ten Commandments, so it's just a fascinating, different take. And I, there may be some moments that may be unintentionally funny, but that just maybe might entice you to to go, even if 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 not for love of silent film. Okay, couple more questions. Favorite movie snack, Milo? <laughs> well, I, I, I love popcorn. I love popcorn. I'm a really,
1: yeah, popcorn.
0: Brad. I, you know, I
2: worked in the movie theater when I was a teenager and my son just recently also did the same and movie popcorn is just like the grossest thing to me in the world now. I won't touch it. So that's, it's not what it might be for most people. For me, I have a very boring movie snack. I'm, I'm a, maybe I'm a, a product of my post-depression era parents who never in a million years would dream of paying money at the, you know, uh-huh. the exorbitant prices in a movie theater to get snacks. So I will get a cup of water for free, a free cup of water, like tap water, just in case you got to stay hydrated while watching a movie. And that's it. My well, family... Okay.
0: Little orphan Annie. <laughs> that's that's so that Dickensian. And my treat was a cup of water. I, I don't. Okay. Marie Laura, you got something else?
1: Yes. Because okay. Popcorn without the butter. I, I cannot say Oh, the so water. you're also
0: very austere. But,
1: but I have to say that when, in France, going to the movie theaters, I remember them stopping the film. So at the beginning of the film, and then in the middle, having a little inter, what is it called? Intermission? Intermission, yes. Yeah. And then they would come with their little baskets around their necks, yes. and they had like Swiss chocolate, French chocolate. Oh. Those were so yummy. And so, yes, uh, I have to point this out.
0: Movie snacks in France get yes. really gourmet. Yeah. Um. Yeah, you know, I don't tend to eat in movies, um, but but I have fond memories of licorice ropes, you know, things like. I, I do like licorice. But generally, I just don't care about movie food. So guilty pleasure. It doesn't have to be a movie. It could be media of any sort. What's your guilty pleasure, Brad?
2: Oh, I've, I feel like I have probably too many to name here but i'll say one i want to say this especially as a shout out to my family who would i don't know if we would say this is a guilty pleasure or just like an appreciation of comedic genius but it's this halloween movie that went straight to netflix i believe during the lockdown called shooby halloween with adam sandler and a bunch of the old like snl cast members it's an instant classic let's just say like for elf what elf was for christmas this movie might become for Halloween wow okay so we're we're watching it like
0: every year big it's, promise yeah. I'm gonna watch that and I I will either thank you or tease you based on yeah. whether I like it or not it. okay Marilor what about you
1: Uh watching the avatar the airbender with my kids is 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 delightful for me and then when one of my children I won't name them <laughs> needs a good cry we'll put on cinema paradiso and it works every time mm. and we get a good cry out of them so
0: yeah I would say my guilty pleasure right now is like watching a lot of YouTube videos that my daughter introduced me to, you know, different video essayists and stuff. Sometimes I just like to watch people being interviewed on the street about what they're wearing, just because it puts me in a different place, you know, go virtual travel and all. So last movie question before we end, what is a movie showing that haunts you that has stuck with you you know in preparation for this we're all watching lots of movies and maybe but maybe there's one that really sticks with you the most i'll I'll start to give you some time to think about that one for me it would be broker this korean movie that i don't want to, to give give away too much but it it deals with a woman who gives up her baby but then wants to come back and get it. But strangely, and none of this is spoilers really, but the, but it deals with broker refers to people arranging adoptions sort of underground. So what strikes me about this is the feel good tone of a lot of it, where I was like, am I really watching a movie with these dark themes that is, but it at the same time is sort of affirming and, and, happy in some ways. I got to say, I was skeptical watching it, but it all wraps up in ways that feel appropriate. And so I would encourage you to see it. For me, that really like lives in my head ramp free right now. Brad, what about you?
2: For me, it was from our Women with the Movie Camera series, which Mari Lar uh, brought to the table. and I thought it was such an awesome idea. I love these films. This was called What Will People Say? It's a Norwegian film, but it's largely set in Pakistan. And I'm realizing, as I talked about the quiet girl earlier, it's almost like the anti-quiet girl. It's so, so hard to watch, but so important, too. I'm not an expert in that region of the world by any means, but it asks some really glaring questions about how certain expectations are set in families. And and I'm sure there are plenty of parallels here we could draw in our own circumstances that, yeah, that one really stuck with me.
1: There are several titles and, um, that have stayed in my heart and mind, but I'm, I'm going to go with all of me. And this is a documentary that will show the week seven it's in Spanish. It's a group of women in a small village in Mexico and what they do, they cook for the migrants that are just passing by their towns on trains and the trains don't stop. Uh, these young people often often um young men a few young women too they've been on the trains for a long time without any kind of food or water and so they are just giving throwing food um for them to be able to to survive basically and this documentary has a deep spiritual dimension that it's it's about service it's about the relationship to god and to others and the good that is done in the world in very quiet ways i really was very touched by this documentary Me too great
0: book yeah thank you well thanks for an exciting program coming up and we hope that you will all see it Thank you for joining us today from From the Booth. This podcast is produced by the International Cinema Program at BYU and supported by the BYU College of Humanities. We are solely responsible for the opinions and ideas expressed here as they do not represent any official position adopted by the university or its supporting institutions. We thank our sound engineer, Hayden Underwood, and Johnny Stallings, who composed our podcast soundtrack. Look for us on Instagram at BYU underscore IC or on our website, ic.byu.edu. And come to International Cinema to see some great movies this semester.